Sonic the Hedgehog is one of the biggest names in gaming, but these days they just can't seem to make a good game featuring the blue blur. That's why this week we're going back to 2001 when times were different. Sonic Adventure 2 is still regarded by many Sonic fans as the best in the series, and we're going to talk about exactly why that is, why they can't seem to recreate its magic, and what it takes to make a good Sonic game in 2022. I'm Jordan, and this is the Totally Biased Media Podcast. Here to help me discuss all things hedgehogs is my brother. I'm Jason. Now, let's get into it. Sonic Adventure 2, it feels like going home. <laughs> Honestly? This, I mean, I know you said it as a joke, but this is probably one of the the first video games that I ever owned. I mean, my parents still bought it for me, but you know, <laughs> sure, like, sure. it's the first game yeah. that was mine. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's one of the very first games that I can distinctly remember finishing in its entirety 100% on my own. Didn't have to get, like, our dad to help me beat certain levels and, you know, didn't just walk away from it 30% of the way in like I did every other game of the era. I remember getting this game and just getting so into it pretty much right from the get-go. And I don't really hold a lot of other games from that era up on that same pedestal. Like, even some of the games like... Your Jack and Daxters and your Sly Coopers, which were you know also platformers from the time that I was really into, they still don't necessarily have like as sincere of a place in my heart as Sonic Adventure 2. Maybe there's just something special about Sonic Adventure 2 because it kind of showed us how good Sonic could be and then <laughs> yeah. nothing has ever lived up to that since. At yes. least no Sonic game has. Yeah, and for me personally, I I played some of the original three like 2D platformer Sonic games and I was into them, but I I didn't like how necessarily you were going very fast and missing a lot of stuff or going too slow and then to take in the level and that just didn't feel like Sonic. Like they never clicked with me as much as like Mario Brothers, for example, because for me, the standout 2D platformer of that era was Super Mario Brothers 3. And I played a ton of that game, even years and years after it was like the newest Mario game, whereas no Sonic game ever quite lived up to that until <laughs> Sonic Adventure 2, which blew, in my opinion, blew any 3D Mario thing we had gotten so far out of the water. Yeah, at least for me, I, I feel like... Uh the 2D Sonic games are really hampered by their reputation. <laughs> like, the marketing sure, sure. just kind of made it seem like, oh, yeah, Sonic's all about, like, going fast, getting to the end of the level quickly. <laughs> and then when you play Sonic, it's really hard to get to a level where you can do that. <laughs> yes. It's like, it's like the games aren't difficult in terms of doing the bare minimum to beat the level, but the skill floor for enjoying them the way they're sort of meant to be played is very high. Like, it's possible to go that, you know, incredible speed all the way through every level and still, you know, find the items, hit all the bad guys, do whatever there is to do in the level. Whereas, I just never got to that point. And I never learned the levels well enough to be able to do that on the fly. So it was just, I, I don't know. There's a there's a complexity to Sonic that other 2D platformers didn't have, but it wasn't always a positive in my mind. But I think Sonic Adventure 2 walked a really, really fine line of giving you that speed, but still letting you take in the entire game around it without feeling like you're missing anything. I think a big part of that is just a really good use of those, I guess, just speed set pieces 
Yeah, for sure. Like every for level sure. has at least one or two big moments where you're going really fast. Either you're being chased by something or you're hitting like 15 dash pads in a row to go through a, a giant loop to loop. And sometimes it even reuses those, which I think is really noticeable in like the radical highway level with Shadow, where there's a loop. And uh, when you're going down on part, on the uh, you know the other end of the loop, you're just running on a single beam. And that's in the level at least two times, I think maybe a third. <laughs> but like, those moments are cool. And <laughs> it's moments like yeah. that, or being chased by the truck at the end of the first level, or the s- snowboarding, or whatever you want to call it. Streetboarding? <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. there's no skating. <laughs> Urban sledding. Yeah. Uh. Or, or even just like, Grinding down the Golden Gate Bridge, <laughs> like yeah, like there's these there's these really cool memorable moments that are both visually impressive and offer interesting gameplay mechanics, and I think a lot of Sonic games, specifically later 3D Sonic games, only give you one or the other, <laughs> like. You are seeing something cool, but you're basically just running in a straight line, or you're doing a lot of complex maneuvers between dash pads and bounce pads and rails to grind on, but you're just in like a bunch of hallways with that stuff randomly placed around. (laughs) Adventure 2 does a really good job of giving you the cool visuals and the cool gameplay. (laughs) Yeah, and I, I think it really nails like the 2D level design. Like everything, I mean, it's kind of missing the multiple paths that the 2d sonic games had you know like there was the the top path and the bottom path and generally the higher up you were the faster your path was it doesn't really have that so much but like the levels are definitely kind of organized in ways that definitely would have made sense for the 2d sonic games yeah for sure but also taking advantage of being 3d because it was the second true 3D Sonic game that they ever made. So, yeah, and and I think that you know while there's a lot of impressive things on display in the original Sonic Adventure, I think that Sonic Adventure Two really improved upon everything after that, and I think that that's why this one really stands the test of time, uh, more so than its predecessor for at least a lot of people. Although part of it had to just be accessibility of it to some extent as well. Sonic Adventure 2 released on the GameCube the same year it released on the Dreamcast, and then it got PS3 and Xbox 360 releases a couple years later, and a couple you know, years it's just... later, it was over a decade. Was it? Yeah, I was thinking it was like the Xbox and PS3 versions didn't come out until uh, 2012. Oh wow, I was thinking it was like right as those consoles launched, but I just feel like I just feel like a lot more people have played Sonic Adventure 2 because there were just more ways to play it. (laughs) Yeah, and I I didn't feel like there was quite as much fanfare around Sonic Adventure Director's Cut, the the GameCube re-release of the first Sonic Adventure. Right. I remember seeing ads for it in gaming magazines, but that was it. Yeah, and I don't think it ever even registered with me at the time that that was like something I had missed out on. Because um, we did, or at least I didn't have a Dreamcast. I'm assuming you didn't either. No, I had a Genesis, but yeah, I, me too. That was the only Sega console I ever owned. I almost have a hard time talking about this game because I have such a hard time separating my nostalgia and my personal, you know, what I where I was in my life when I played this game from the actual quality of the game, which I think is why I've really enjoyed digging back into it over these last couple of weeks because. It's reminded me that while, you know, the nostalgia did blind me to certain significant flaws this game has, it playing it now in 2022, it also showed me, like, there are still genuinely great things about this game. Like, it still feels very good to play most of the time. And there are, you know, there are modern Sonic games that don't have as good of a flow to them as this one does. <laughs> this game... At least to me, it feels like a real evolution of the first game. Because Sonic Adventure 1 had six different game mode, or six different like play types. You could play as Sonic, Tails, Knuckles, Amy, 
uh, E-102 Gamma, who was a robot that Eggman made, and Biggs the Cat. Uh, by the way, I just gotta mention that the Biggs the Cat gameplay was fishing, and it was awful. But everyone else kind of played how you'd expect, uh, and E-102 Gamma was a third-person shooter. And from my understanding, the parts of that game that everyone liked were Sonic, Knuckles, and Gamma. (laughs) And instead of (laughs) using Gamma again, they were like, let's just give that gameplay to Tails and Eggman. Yep. So you have your speed gameplay, you have your treasure hunting gameplay, and you have your mech shooting gameplay. I think, in in my experience, the speed levels of Sonic and Shadow are still excellent for the most part. There are some bad eggs. Uh, one very bad egg we'll get into later. But generally speaking, those levels are all really cool. I think they get a little too complex for their own good a bit later in the game. But generally speaking, like they hold up really, really well. And the mech stuff was kind of hit or miss for me. <laughs> it, I don't know. This was the hardest one for me to pin down. Because the shooting is very limited. But I think it had some of the cooler level designs. Some of the ways, like the things you unlock and upgrade on the mechs were, were kind of cool as you go with the story. Mm-hmm. Treasure hunting got old fast. <laughs> it took about three of the Knuckles levels and like four of the, the Rouge ones before I was just like, I don't want to do any more of these. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a shame. The treasure hunting does get old pretty quick. But I do like playing as Knuckles and Rouge. Like, I, I think that they're fun. I like Knuckles gliding. I think that's kind of cool. <laughs> Especially since you don't really get to play as Tails on foot. Yeah. So. Yeah. Flying is just cool. And outside <laughs> of like of games where you were flying an airplane, there wasn't really too many games in the early 2000s where you could fly around like that. Yeah. It is strange that they had these mechanics built out for Tails to be able to fly around in the Chow Garden and stuff, but then that's not actually used in any actual levels. Like that just seems like a tremendous amount of work. Yeah. I assume that's just reused from the first game. Uh, sure, sure. And another big improvement they made was every character has their own unique levels and unique style of levels because in Sonic Adventure, basically everyone just played Sonic's levels with different like objectives around the map and stuff like that to do. Mm-hmm. So I think that's still it's cool though because there are their distinct levels, but you see a lot of shared environments like. There are multiple levels around, I'm assuming it's Los Angeles, whatever this city is. San Francisco. And they're San Francisco. Because it has the Golden Gate Bridge and, yes. and it's on yeah. a huge hill. Right, right. Should have should have been obvious. <laughs> but uh, like there are multiple levels around San Francisco and multiple around the pyramids in Egypt and multiple in space. So you see like these shared environments, but each one has its own totally distinct path. And they have sort of... They've sort of created a a motif, I guess you could say, for like what types of enemies there are in those areas and how they act and like the type of music. And there is definitely some shared stuff, but each each individual level is still a totally unique thing. Yeah, a, a lot of the characters are going through the same areas, so it kind of makes sense. Uh, and it's it's also kind of cool when you see like. There's a level where you're playing as Eggman and you're trying to get into his base inside of a pyramid. And then if you're playing the hero story, you're basically doing the same thing as Tails, except you're coming from the complete opposite side of the pyramid. So it, yeah. like aesthetically, it is a lot of the same stuff, but it's a completely different pathway and a completely different level. It's good stuff. Now, I also kind of like how the, uh, the villain story, the dark story, <laughs> starts before the hero story. <laughs> I just think it's yeah, kind of neat because so, it provides like a lot of backstory for why and how everything is happening in the main story. I, I'm saying story a lot. It's starting to sound weird. But like, <laughs> yeah. if you're playing the hero story, then Shadow just appears at the end of the first level with no right. no introduction, really. No explanation. He's just like, I'm better than you. Goodbye. <laughs> and then he uses a Chaos Emerald teleport, basically, and leaves. It's cool, though, because it works either way you play it. Because 
either you play the hero story for first and there's this mystery of who Shadow is and how the story's connected and sort of what the inciting action is, or you play the dark story first and then everything's just in chronological order. So it actually, like, it fits pretty well either way. I still recommend playing the hero story first just because it adds some mystery that I think is interesting, but generally speaking, it's, it's cool to go either way. Yeah, for sure. Now, let's talk a little bit about the uh, story of the game, because it's it's a little wild, but in a way that I can appreciate most of the time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's at least trying to tell a kind of a darker and edgier story with Sonic. Yeah. And I think it succeeds in some ways. Uh, but those are not the ways that will continue on into future games. <laughs> right. <laughs> it it has this idea of a new tone for the Sonic world and all the characters, really. And I think it achieves that in differing levels for each character. Now, it's interesting to think about, prior to the Sonic Adventure games, Sonic didn't really have a personality at all. Because, generally speaking... I mean, he had as much personality as you could really have back right, then. Right, I, he right. Has more pers- he had more personality on the Genesis than Mario has now. You know? Sure, sure. And I'm not saying as like a slight on the character, as much as just the change in the console generations. Because, you know, earlier 2D games were pretty limited to just these, you know, sound, these quick sound bites, some voice line type things some idle animations. Like, there wasn't much you could do. I know that there were some, like, Sonic TV shows and things that expanded upon it, but... But I even more just mean, like, in the games. I feel like there's definitely, like, a a lot of sass and body language in Sonic's idle animations, especially. Definitely, definitely. And, like, you could kind of see that cool, edgy 90s guy vibe they were going for the entire time. But... It's interesting to think we didn't really hear Sonic speak much until the Sonic Adventure games. And you really learn a lot about all of these characters in this game. And it's really interesting that they managed to weave an actually... I'm just going to interesting again. Really interesting story around Sonic, who basically has no character growth. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and no change in motivation whatsoever. Yeah, I mean, I feel like Sonic's kind of unchanging core of the whole group. Yeah. It's like sure. Sonic already is the character he's he's going to be. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like, and I, I mean, I know you haven't played it, but this is relevant to me, and anyone that's played will understand. It's kind of like how Solid Snake is treated in Metal Gear Solid 2. <laughs> Where it's like, he doesn't really have any growth or development because he's already done that. Like, he did that in the old games, in his game. Yeah. So there's really not too, too much that he needs to go through. Um, Tails kind of has an interesting arc between the two games. Because in Sonic Adventure 1, he's useless. And he has like a whole arc about doing more than just being Sonic's sidekick. And that's why in this game, like... He's the one that's making all the battle plans and the one that has a airplane that turns into a, a robot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then Knuckles is just Knuckles. I he doesn't have any growth either, but I don't I don't really know what to say about Knuckles. He had a lot more background just to start with than the others did though. Yeah. It really seems like the villains or the the dark characters they're not evil or villains they're dark it it seems like a lot of the actual development and character growth is between those three characters yeah which is really weird because you don't you don't see much of that when you're playing the hero story and i'm sure there are a fair number of people who only played the hero story and just figured the dark story was the same thing (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It, there are very different stories, which I think is pretty cool. Like, they cover a lot of the same ground, but they are, they are very distinct experiences. More so than I remembered. Now, one thing that I think everyone 
can agree on about Sonic Adventure 2. Even if you dislike this game for any number of reasons around the mechanics or the story or the characters, whatever, you got to admit that soundtrack's got some absolute bangers on it. <laughs> uh, the music in this game is exceptional. And it was like it was like something awakened in me the first time that I heard City Escape <laughs> replaying this game. Sonic music is honestly incredible. And it's it's something that's hard to describe. Uh, but I'm going to do it anyways. <laughs> it's the most on-the-nose. I, I don't even... Yeah, I guess that's really it. It's just it's so just very on-the-nose. On the <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because, like, when you are uh, in City Escape, you jump out of a helicopter, like a police helicopter... And you grab a panel from the helicopter and use it as a, as a snowboard going down the streets of San Francisco. And the entire time, it's playing this fast music to replicate the sound, like the fact that you are going fast. And the lyrics of the song are about trying to escape the city, which is the thing you are actively doing. <laughs> but here's the twist. The music's actually good. <laughs> I don't want to say good. <laughs> No, it okay, that's you're you're right. Good isn't the right word cuz it's not music I would listen to outside of the game, but it perfectly matches the energy and the vibe that every level wants to have. Sonic music captures everything that is Sonic. Yes. Yes, exactly. Good and, and bad. And that's true from literally the first level until the very end, and I think that the first and last level especially uh capture that really really well. Most of it's done by this one band, Crush 40, and every single song that Crush 40 has done for a Sonic game is incredible and imperfectly matches the tone, the energy, and everything that Sonic has, and it is all garbage. <laughs> <laughs> but in the coolest way. It is sweet, beautiful garbage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, it's, it's, uh, it's wild. And it's not, it's not all that hard, like, rock energy either. Because I think some of the Knuckles levels, they're not hip-hop. They're trying to be. They're not. But, like, they still capture enough of the hip-hop vibe to fit Knuckles as a character. <laughs> the original Knuckles rap in Sonic Adventure 1 is an incredible work of art. It's not done by Crush 40, but it's it's still so good. When when he says my name is Knuckles, unlike Sonic, I don't chuckle. I'd rather flex my muscles. <laughs> I felt that. Yeah. Uh, you just don't get music like that in games today. Imagine you're playing like Witcher 3 <laughs> and, and like Someone like just comes in with like a crazy guitar solo and a guy just being like, "We hunt monsters," <laughs> like just like that level of aggression from anything from any Sonic level of a Sonic Adventure, but about any other video game character. The theme song for this game coming in over the final boss though is incredible. It's a masterpiece. Live and that, learn. Yeah. Is the, yeah. Yeah, that's what I was talking about. That's like the first and last levels are the ones that like I always click with on this. <sighs> it's wild. <laughs> now, unfortunately, not everything about this game is 10 out of 10 perfect masterpiece level. Uh, there are a few duds in the game level design-wise. For me, it's definitely some of the later like treasure hunting levels and a few of the more over-the-top speed ones that come at the very end. Mm -hmm. But there's one in particular I know you want to discuss a little bit. For the treasure hunting levels, I don't really feel... I don't really like the abandoned mine level. I don't remember exactly what it's called, but it has uh, switches that you have to flip to change the water level. And yeah. I think that level's really annoying. It uh. it sucks. I hated it even playing the game back in like you know the 2001 era. I'm so glad, because we, we streamed that level on my playthrough, and I'm so glad I just got lucky and happened to find them all quickly, because I remember getting so lost in that level as a kid. Oh yeah, it's definitely worth mentioning that uh, for the treasure hunting levels, your mileage may vary, because uh, the, the emeralds or keys or whatever you're trying to find are 
random from a list of possible locations. Yep. I hate it. And sometimes sometimes you'll get three that are basically all in the same room. And it's an enjoyable room to be in. And other times you're going to have to flip the water switches on the mine level like 20 times. <laughs> yeah. It's... I don't know. They should have... I know it would hurt replayability, but they really should have just done fixed locations for them and been done with it. I just kind of think the uh, if they had used the same radar from the first game, where it would show you where all three gems are instead of just the the one yeah. to the left. Yeah, one be, being one at a time makes it dumb because then you have to backtrack without even knowing that you were in proximity of one to begin with. And sometimes you'll find one. Or you'll, right. like, you'll like see it in your periphery or something, and you'll get it. And you'll be like, wow, if I hadn't seen that, then yeah. this could have been an extra 20 minutes. <laughs> None of them are quite that big that it would take 20 minutes, but it can still add up to a lot of time. Some of the later ones took me like nearly 10 minutes. Yeah. And they stopped being fun about two minutes in, in my opinion. No, but the level in particular that... I had mentioned to Jordan was uh, Crazy Gadget. It's the the next to last speed level uh, in the hero campaign where you play a Sonic. And it's all about flipping gravity by pulling switches and the camera doesn't move with gravity properly. And there's also... So sometimes you'll be running on walls or the ceiling or even at a weird angle and you just have to deal with your controls being... Askew. <laughs> yeah, this game or this level was ambitious, but I don't know that they necessarily. One, I don't know how well designed it was to begin with, and two, I don't know that this was necessarily something that should have been on the GameCube <laughs> or the Dreamcast first. I guess, like yeah. it's just a very complex level with very, I mean, it's one of a kind mechanics too, and it just. It doesn't feel good. And plus, you know, you might just die a handful of times because you walked off something you didn't know you couldn't keep going on or the camera flips in a weird direction and it's just... Or sometimes the camera will, like, obscure gaps so you don't have any way to know about it until you've died. Yeah. I died several times on this level and I don't know that I died that many times in the rest of the levels put together. At least not the Sonic ones. The later levels also have a lot more pits that you can fall in and die, um, which is fine from a level design standpoint, but it kind of, it's where the the homing attack kind of pushes its limits, because when Sonic made the switch to 3D, they added it to where um, whenever you jumped, if you hit the jump button again while you're in midair, you would do a homing attack and just attack the nearest enemy. When you add a lot of pits into that, though, sometimes your homing attack does not work properly, or there's not an enemy that's quite close enough for it to lock onto, and you'll throw yourself off the map. Yeah. And when you add weird gravity switching mechanics to that, it gets a hundred times worse. Also, and this is a very small thing, once you get the bounce attack in the game, uh, if you hit... If you try to spin dash while you're in midair, then you'll do a bounce attack instead and lose all of your momentum. And it's just really annoying. Yeah. The, this game there was... suffers from one button syndrome right. where every single new thing that you unlock as it's especially notable as Sonic and Knuckles or sorry, Sonic and Shadow. Uh, every single thing that you unlock as them is mapped to the same button. Yeah, yep. It's all context sensitive. And sometimes you have to like cycle through it by using another button to change what that button does. And it's just like, wow, why don't you just have this second button do this instead? Yeah, the Dreamcast had plenty of buttons. Some would say too many. <laughs> uh, but for every weird and complex level like Crazy Gadget, there are like three exceptional ones. So, you know. Just know you're gonna you're gonna be frustrated for like ten minutes close to the end of the hero story, but otherwise, like I think it's very very good level design, and most of them are both unique in from a design perspective and from a gameplay perspective, which is something that not a lot of platformers can manage. Note that he said you'll be annoyed near the end of the hero campaign. The dark campaign has no such flaws. 
It's a masterpiece yeah. all the way through. Every level is significantly better than every level as the hero group. Yeah. <laughs> or it's the same. The Eggman yeah, and Tails are levels are same. very similar. Yeah. Um, I do they're, think they're that... They're fine. Shadow's levels are significantly better than Sonic's, and Rouge's are at least normally better than Knuckles. I think Rouge's are just shorter. They are. They're, they're smaller maps, generally. Yeah, Fe- certainly feels like it, at least. Plus, it has that turtle you can make friends with. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of making friends, though, we gotta talk about the piece de resistance of Sonic Adventure, both games, the Chow Garden. I love the Chow Garden because it is a complicated mess and it didn't need to be there at all, but it's so much fun. It's all about raising chows, which are baby monsters. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I do not know what chows are supposed to be. They're little alien guys. They're just little guys. (laughs) And you you can feed them. uh, You can feed them fruit. You can give them animals to absorb power from, and you can give them weird crystal drives that they also absorb power from. And then you race them and make them fight. (laughs) And it sounds pretty simple. But then you find out that apparently they can die and resurrect. (laughs) And it's all based on how much of a good friend you are. And different stats will go up different depending on, like, who is the one that's trying to raise their stats. Yeah, it has so much stuff to it. And all this is, it's like if Nintendogs was an overly complex RPG. <laughs> like, It's like it's, if in Nintendogs, sometimes your dog would just uh, turn back into a puppy. <laughs> oh, and also if dog fighting was a part of Nintendogs. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, it's so weird. But it's such a good break from the game proper. Like, I think part of what really, really sells Sonic Adventure 2 for me is the fact that, like, yeah, the levels themselves are great, but there's a lot of other stuff to this game. Like, there are several missions for each level. There's the entire Chow Garden, which has two different types of competition within it. There's, like, multiplayer with all kinds of minigame-type things you can do you know, speed runs of the levels against other people. Like, it's got so much to it on top of just being a good Sonic game to begin with. It's one of those things where every part of it serves the other parts. The only the only piece that's particularly good are the speed levels and the Chow Garden. And then everything else is just a pipeline to get you to one of those. Right. But still good enough in its own regard that it doesn't actively take away from anything. This game also, quite famously, introduced Shadow to the world. And, what a guy. Uh, he's the best part of the game. He's, he's the one that gets the most character growth. Basically, everything you know about Shadow that makes Shadow bad was introduced in other games. He's great in this game. I mean, he's still edgy, but like... That was always the plan. <laughs> yeah. He could have sure. been worse. They originally wanted to give him an eye patch. And like potentially missing limbs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We got the perfect amount of edgy shadow. <laughs> we got the shadow with red highlights. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I like how he keeps them when he turns into super shadow. <laughs> Where Sonic loses all of his blue. Well, maybe that's because Sonic's blue is all natural. My new headcanon is that Shadow has to manually dye his hair red like that. I picture that his his salon uh, like regiment must be absolutely insane. But Shadow's got like a pretty interesting story. Eggman finds him in some kind of weird government lab because it turns out Eggman's grandfather was trying to engineer the perfect life fo- life form. And then when he wakes Shadow up, he comes out and he's like, all right, Eggman, I'll grant you a wish. Like he has some kind of magic powers or something. (laughs) Yeah. Uh. And and everyone somehow mistakes him for Sonic the Hedgehog, even though they look nothing alike. (laughs) That'd be like, that'd be like just mistaking any two dogs in the entire world for each other just because they're the same species. But, but I love the dialogue in this game though, because it, feels like it was written by someone that simultaneously 
grew up in and was already an adult in the early 2000s. <laughs> like, one, it has some stuff that's clearly like translational or something is why it's as weird as it is. And two, it doesn't always line up at all. <laughs> and like, like yeah. plus they're just saying the weirdest, campiest stuff imaginable sometimes. But it all fits in the tone of the game. It's always funny. Every single time. Even the scenes that are meant to be serious. There's a scene, it's the second scene where uh, Sonic and Shadow meet. And they're both basically saying that the other is just a fake trying to pretend to be them. And at one point, Shadow says, like, you're not even good enough to be my fake. And by the time that that he said, like, you're not, Sonic is already in in the middle of another voice line saying, I'll make you eat those words. Yeah, yeah. So Sonic's it's, voice line ends before Shadows. Yeah, it's it's so good, and it's it's and so then and wrong. then they fight, and Shadow has the dumbest lines. Like sometimes he'll just say, unprompted, "I'm the coolest." Yeah, <laughs> which also doesn't really fit with his character in the first place. It's hysterical, incredible. Yeah. You just. You don't get that level of camp in games today. <laughs> and then the ending, it's even better. Because, like, they had no idea what they were doing tonally. Because the game, I'm not going to spoil what it is. But let's just say it has a major downer ending. Uh, but when you put, like, these weird transa- translational issues and the really weird dubbing on top of it, it's <laughs> it's a masterpiece. Sonic yeah. Adventure 2 is a masterpiece. <laughs> yeah. Specifically that ending, I think the I think that Tails' lines in the very final scene are either just reused from something else in the game, or the actor just did a complete misread of the situation. <laughs> because everybody's like kind of sad and upset, except for Tails who's still as loud and cheery and peppy as the rest of the time. <laughs> like like It's especially funny is the person he's talking to is at, like, their most dour moment, too. Yeah. And he's just like, let's all be friends! <laughs> like, it's so good. <laughs> um, and I, I do have to include something I always mention whenever this game comes up. Uh, the Sonic games have a loose canon to each other. The exception being the Sonic Adventure games through Shadow the Hedgehog. Uh, but all of the Sonic games, apparently, are still canon to Sonic Adventure 2. Uh, and a big plot point in Sonic Adventure 2 is that Eggman fires a laser at the moon and blows up half of it. And the reason that the moon looks normal in all of the other Sonic games is... And I, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but this is what Sega said. This is their official statement on it. It just turned around. We're just looking at the other half of the moon now. No big deal. Zero repercussions. Okay. Well, it's a lot of talk about Sonic Adventure 2. We could go on and on and on and on, but really all you need to know is that you should play this game. Even if you know nothing about Sonic, even if you haven't enjoyed the other Sonic games, give this one a shot. Now let's get into something a bit more of a downer here. Let's talk about why basically every Sonic game since has been at best okay, but generally speaking, quite bad. Now, for me, I admittedly have not played a lot of the Sonic games that came post-Sonic Adventure 2. I played Sonic 06 at launch and hated it. And that was enough for me to not give the next handful of games a shot. Sonic 06 really did kind of, Sonic 06 really did kind of mark a turning point for the franchise. Yeah. Uh, at least I, at least public perception wise, because I feel like Sonic games were still considered, even with the disaster that was Shadow the Hedgehog. I don't think that Sonic games were ever considered to be like bad. Until Sonic 06 came out. Yeah, and like it's it's weird because you know I played Sonic Heroes. I might have even finished Sonic Heroes. Like I I liked what I played, but I didn't get like 
that into it. But it was still enough where I at least wanted to give Sonic 06 a shot. And I kind of went in expecting something more akin to Sonic Adventure 2. Because not only is Sonic 06 significantly worse than Adventure 2, it's also just nothing like it in the first place. Like, it is a very different game. Both its tone, its style, the way it plays. It's just, there's a lot wrong with Sonic 06. It also tried to do the whole multiple character thing. But in my opinion, Sonic and Shadow were too similar. And um, Silver was just not implemented well. Yeah, yeah. They tried to put these telekinetic powers on top of just the gameplay that already existed. And those don't work together. (laughs) I mean, it also just had a lot of issues being a buggy mess. Yeah. Things didn't work. Loading screens were ridiculous. There's a pretty famous uh, video at this point of just near the beginning of Sonic 06 trying to start the level. <laughs> and you have to go talk to somebody. And in order to dis- to have a conversation with that person, there are three loading screens. Yeah, it, it didn't quite know what it wanted to be outside of levels too. And it created this sort of mess where even getting into a level was complicated. And then once you were actually in a level, it still was buggy and inconsistent. And I I don't know. It was also kind of weird because, and this is something that Sonic Frontiers seems to be doing as well, is uh, I always felt that Sonic Adventure 2, by removing the... I guess hub world areas was kind of trimming the fat Mm -hmm. and Sonic 06 brought that back for some reason. Yeah. That was one of my biggest complaints about Sonic adventure one was the hub worlds were weird and hard to navigate sometimes. And you didn't always know what was an entrance and what was an exit. And I don't know. It was just very strange. They also gave Sonic a human girlfriend. (laughs) I'm like, yeah, that was a bad move across the board. Nobody I, wanted that. I don't I don't know what they were thinking. Like, they wanted Sonic to evolve, but not in a way that was actually congruent to what people liked about games at the time. It was just... It's almost like they were trying to predict what people would be into next, and they were just totally wrong. <laughs> Looking through this list of Sonic games that we have here, I think kind of the the thing that comes to my mind is that they all try to do something new and yes very different from each other that's exactly what i wanted to say next yes but it doesn't really seem like any of them grow from each other or improve upon things that were introduced in previous games no and just the bare minimum like movement and level progression stuff of sonic wasn't they didn't even have that down pat enough for them to start really experimenting with other weird mechanics but like it's, it's specifically, like, we have them in order by their Metacritic scores. And the top half of this list, like the, or the bottom half, I guess you could say, the lowest rated ones, all are games that have, like, a weird thing about them. Sonic 06, you know, the weird three-character structure, the weird hub worlds, the fact that it was just a buggy mess. Like, that's different. But, like, Shadow of the Hedgehog was the second lowest rated Sonic game of all time. And it had the weird gunplay, and they tried to do the branching narrative stuff. And then there was Sonic and the Black Knight, which tried to throw in like new combat systems and tried to get more of like a, a complex narrative going. And then Sonic Unleashed added the whole were, were hedgehog thing. And then like Sonic Forces had your, you know, OC player character thing. And like like all these games took these big swings about really weird, unnecessary mechanics. But they also just were bad Sonic games underneath that. <laughs> Like, I don't know what they were even really going for. I feel like, personally, a big thing that Sonic did and kind of continues to do is they they switched over to this three-lane running system, essentially. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's almost like if you're playing an Infinite Runner game. Uh, But I think Secret Rings was one of the first ones to do it. Yeah. Where you would use the bumpers to switch which lane you were in. And... I just felt like losing that level of control really took me out of the games. And I 
stopped playing Sonic around that era. Yeah. But what's interesting is I think that as long as you drop the lane switching aspect of it, I almost feel like kind of going for that endless runner vibe would actually make sense for Sonic. Like, as long as you had a little more control over, like, left to right, Mm -hmm. then I think just going fast and, you know, going in a straight line, dodging stuff, fight, like, you know, hitting enemies, all that, like, I think that would actually work pretty well. Not for an entire game, but, like, you know, you could have, like, a minute-long section in a level that kind of plays like that. And I think that could really work. But the problem is, anytime they want to go the infinite runner route, they cut everything interesting and just make it like swipe left to go left, swipe right to go right, swipe down to go under stuff. Like that's it. That's all the games that's left. Like there's a middle ground they could go to that I think would be make for good Sonic gameplay and would still give you some control. And they've just, they never do that. And I would even say like Sonic generations and Sonic forces. I felt like parts of those games were really good. Um, Honestly, the biggest issue with Sonic Forces was the incredibly edgy narrative. Yeah, it was. It where, was like too they much. think Sonic's dead. <laughs> I just I remember <laughs> there's a line pretty early on where Knuckles is like, "All of this is bad, Vector. That's why they call it war." And he he says this completely earnestly. <laughs> yeah, it's... and it's just it's such incredibly bad writing paired with like trying to deal with heavy topics i guess and it's it i don't know it just ends up lampooning itself more than anything yeah sonic's biggest issue is that it's always funny and it's very rarely trying to be these days right like if it could if it could lean into its absurdity and stop trying to throw in these crazy secondary mechanics and just make a game that feels good to run at high speeds, I think the rest barely matters. But they're just focusing on everything wrong about the series lately. I mean, the most recent one I've played is Forces. I didn't play Generations or Colors, and I know that those had their merits. But, like... If you played Forces, it was basically the same thing as Generations. Yeah, it's just... Forces was bad bad like aggressively unfun basically the entire time literally the most fun i had with the game was trying to make the dumbest looking character i could and once i was done with that actually playing as them was a nightmare you could dress like joker from persona (laughs) 5 yeah you could and should dress like joker from persona 5 (laughs) it perfectly fits the vibe of the story Yeah. yeah it does i think what's really telling about this list that we have here uh is that the top three are Sonic Colors, Sonic Adventure, and Sonic Adventure 2. I said that in reverse order. Yeah. Sonic Adventure 2 being the highest rated, and Sonic right. Colors being number three. Yeah. And it's it's pretty telling that the first two attempts at a 3D Sonic game are still the highest rated 3D Sonic games. Yeah, like by a pretty good margin. Like Sonic Adventure, Sonic Adventure and Sonic Adventure 2 have 87 and 89 respectively on Metacritic. And that 80 to 85 mark is incredibly difficult to hit. And this actually surpasses that. Whereas even Sonic Colors and Sonic Generations, which are generally looked at as like some of the especially good 3D Sonics, are still only in the upper 70s. So it's just... I don't, I don't get it. Like, I know that as a developer, and specifically as the publisher pushing these developers, you want to innovate. But I think that Sonic shows that you can, I don't know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. (laughs) Look at Mario. Mario has only changed like two times in his entire history, and they were both one-off mechanics. (laughs) Like, I think Mario has, I mean, obviously it's done much better. I kind of wish that Mario would keep its, uh, its weird mechanics for longer than a single game. For sure, for sure. Like, I doubt the next... I mean, if they're making a sequel to Mario Odyssey, then it'll probably keep it. But I doubt the next Mario game's gonna have anything like the body-snatching mechanic. Yeah. And it certainly doesn't have Flood, my favorite Mario character. Right. 
But let's not get too into Mario Odyssey because spoilers, that one might come back up again in the pulling the plug segment. <laughs> Fine. We can talk about Mario and Sonic at the Olympic Games. Yeah. Now there is a Sonic game that doesn't miss. <laughs> it's a Sonic game where you are rewarded for going fast. Finally. <laughs> It's a Sonic game where you're rewarded for going fast and Sonic has zero advantage in. <laughs> they told Sonic he has to keep it to like a light jog. It's like that scene at the end of Incredibles where uh, they're cheering for Dash and his track meet and he's like easily beating all the other like all the other kids and his parents are yelling like third place, third place. So he has to slow himself down to not, you know, absolutely demolish everyone else. Sonic just does that all the time. And for no real reason. Yeah. Yeah. Like, if you're competing in the Olympics, you should be able to go all out, even if you have super speed. Does Shadow just still use his speed boots in Sonic Sonic the Olympic Games? I don't remember. I mean, he wears them, but I don't think he uses them when he runs. We've never seen him take them off. They could just be part of his feet. This game strongly implies that the shoes are somehow special. Because when they talk about him being the ultimate life form, it zooms in on his shoes. Yeah. Speaking of shoes, Sonic Adventure 2 had a shoe deal with this brand of shoes called Soap. And you could actually buy the shoes that he wears in the game. And that's why his shoes are like so weirdly detailed. But the whole thing was that they had a weird, like a divot in the middle. (laughs) So you could grind on rails just like Sonic does. (laughs) Yeah. Oof. That's What's, just so weird. You can see ads yeah. for it in the game every once in a while. Yeah. That's like arch support on a level where it's no longer support and it's actually like impeding you. It's yeah. death stranding levels of product placement. We've talked a little bit about what has, you know, why some of the Sonic games have not held up. But what are sort of your predictions for Sonic Frontiers? Let me put it this way. Do you think it will be in the better or worse half of Sonic games? <laughs> it really just depends on how much polish they put into it. Because, I mean, as bad as Sonic 06 turned out, I don't think it would be anywhere near this like universally reviled if it had just been polished. Right. You know, like, if there weren't boss fights that you could easily accidentally softlock yourself in. Yeah. If there wasn't a load screen every, you know, 10 seconds. Right. <laughs> like if it just played as intended, it would have been a significantly better game even with its still other numerous flaws. Yeah, and I'm not, I'm not saying that it would have been good by just fixing those things. Sure. But I am saying that Sonic games have a tendency to come out broken. And yeah. Sonic Adventure 2 is no exception to that. I mean, like there are issues i mean there's a reason there was a battle version released you know just several months later i mean going open world i think it's something that like i mentioned it was really trimming the fat between sonic adventure 1 and sonic adventure 2 kind of getting rid of the open world levels levels like that but you know maybe this game's going to be designed with a open world focus from the beginning or open zone yeah. Which I guess, it's, I assume it probably means just like, kind of like Monster Hunter, a series of open worlds. I could see something like that, yeah. That's sort of what I'm envisioning. And I will say, like, I am skeptical about this game to say the least, but from the very few images we've seen, assuming they are in-engine, which I guess they are, I mean, the game looks gorgeous, but we've also only seen still images, so who knows? <laughs> Hey folks, this is Jordan hopping in for a second here in post to say that we recorded this the day before gameplay footage of Sonic Frontiers was finally unveiled. And I just want to jump in and say, looks pretty cool. Yep, that's enough. Just didn't want you to think we had totally missed uh, that there was now gameplay trailers. We just recorded this exactly one day too early. It just, uh, I think the main thing is it, it needs to manage to capture that sense of speed. It needs to work in those, um, 
Those big set pieces. I think, like, the eye-catching set pieces are a big part of Sonic, stylistically, I guess. Yeah. There, there's always something to look at in a Sonic game, at least at some point in every level. It's hard to say. I, I think because, like, there are multiple good Sonic games, but they're not really anything alike. I'm thinking that just by virtue of it being open world, being on this next-gen hardware, unless it is another Sonic 06 level disaster, which I don't think it will be. I think that was a one-off and they kind of learned their lesson. Um, I think it's going to at least be decent. I think it will be in the better half of 3D Sonic games. I would put it closer to like probably somewhere between Sonic and the Secret Rings and Sonic Generation in terms of like general reception. So like in the 7 out of 10 range. But I I do still think that there are major, major hurdles with making a Sonic game today that they are going to struggle to overcome. I just don't... Please drop the edginess. <laughs> Nobody yeah. wants that. Like... <laughs> Or if you're gonna, ha- you can have edgy characters like Shadow. I think the reason that Shadow works so well in Sonic Adventure Two is because everyone else is pretty lighthearted. Like when he says something super weird and edgy to Sonic, Sonic's just like, "Wow, you're weird." <laughs> like, but in modern Sonic games, whenever anybody says something incredibly edgy to Sonic, Sonic's, like, returning the same energy. <laughs> and, like, Tails and Knuckles are the same way. I, I, I don't know. Because I, I like Shadow. I think he's one of my favorite Sonic characters, but... I think he's a character who hasn't really been done justice in any capacity. I would say the last game that did not uh, that did Shadow the Hedgehog in even an adequate way was Sonic Heroes. And every game since then has either ignored him or done him just made him incredibly edgy, taking it way too far. But yeah, I, I think that it needs to be lighthearted. Or at least the characters do. Cause you can have Eggman trying to take over the world and steal all of the world's animals to turn them into robots, but like don't put Sonic in a situation where he needs to decide whether to save lives. <laughs> like, Sonic doesn't need to be anywhere near the trolley problem. No, 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 no. It can just be campy fun, and he just beats a bad guy by running fast. Like, that would be fine. Exactly. Because, <laughs> like I said, that was my biggest issue with Sonic Forces. It's so over-the-top, edgy, trying to be dark, but that's just, like, not what these characters were made for. Yeah. These aren't characters that are edgy and dark. These are very lighthearted. Like, <laughs> Ooh, you know what it just made me think of? Sonic the Hedgehog and all of its respective characters need to have the exact energy that the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles do in every setting. Exactly. Be- because, like, they can do those, like, really dramatic storylines, but they're still, like... Like, Mikey is still, like, yelling cowabunga and using his nunchucks as, like, a helicopter and doing bicycle kicks on ninjas while while it's a dramatic moment. Like, those things can coexist. <laughs> yeah, and keep those parts of Sonic that are ridiculous. Like, him being a huge fan of chili dogs in every moment. <laughs> yeah. Like, it, it feels sure. like the only times chili dogs get mentioned in the 3D games is... Just being like, yeah, we kn- we know he likes these. Yep. This is Sonic. He likes chili dogs. There's always some inciting incident in the beginning of the game where he's like trying to eat a chili dog and something bad happens. And then he's like, well, I guess I can't eat this chili dog now. And then he has to go and fight the bad guy. <laughs> Have the game end with him getting back to that chili dog he was trying to eat at the beginning. We fixed it. We fixed Sonic. <laughs> Let Sonic eat a chili dog. <laughs> that was all it would take. I, I wish they would kind of acknowledge the Archie comics a little bit, but from my understanding... They are buck wild. Well, no, I mean, like, the, the rights are oh, yeah. very weird right now. There are also, like, a hundred thousand issues at this point. 
Yeah. Well, I don't mean work like in the storylines. Right, I just mean like, like work in the characterization. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> okay. Well, this is longer than I've talked about Sonic in many, many years. <laughs> so, <laughs> I think that's probably enough for this episode. So, let's move on and pull the plug. Jason, what is something else you've been into? Well, this week... And by this week, I mean yesterday. I went to see the Bob's Burgers movie. Aw, yeah. It's been a long time since I went and saw a movie that was like, first off, incredibly low stakes. I mean, this this movie's more or less just uh, an extra long episode of Bob's Burgers. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah, it's not a bad thing. I think the last time I saw a movie like this was honestly like, spongebob squarepants movie (laughs) yeah it doesn't feel like they make movies like that anymore where it's just it doesn't matter i guess in the grand scheme of things and i like that it's you know i feel like every movie nowadays has to be tied to some some grand overarching narrative that split that spans multiple movies right or it has to try and be and you're you're done yeah yeah even like the non- connected sequel bait type movies i've seen lately have still tried to be something grandiose and say something magnificent and and sometimes they succeed like we saw everything everywhere all at once about a month ago and it was exceptional but a lot of movies just try to be more than they are and bob's bob's burgers does not try to be more than it is (laughs) it succeeds on everything it tries to be but sometimes what it tries to be is just not very ambitious and that's totally okay for a show like this the Bob's Burgers movie also kind of manages to nail every character. Yes. A lot of the times when they make movies out of stuff like this, someone gets the short end of the stick and it's just completely unlike how they are in the TV series. Yeah. But in this, not nah, everyone's pretty much exactly what you would expect. <laughs> yeah. Everything is proportional to what it should be in the show. And, like, the stakes are a bit higher with the conflict of this than a regular episode of the show, but it still manages to just be the same energy that Bob's Burgers always has. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Really good, really fun movie. If you like Bob's Burgers, you'll like the Bob's Burgers movie. And it's not tied, really, to the show, so... Some weirdly excellent music. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it's almost... It's. I kind of thought it was going to be a musical. Yeah, there are a couple of like genuinely great musical moments. Like I was at first, I was like, "Oh no, is this going to be a musical?" But by like halfway of the first musical number, I was just like, "I would be okay if this was a musical." <laughs> it's got really good animation, much yeah. better than what the show normally has. Yeah, it's much more. <laughs> yeah, something we were talking about during the movie was that um, it, it does have a lot of musical numbers and singing and dancing. Uh, and it's funny because a lot of the characters are animated to dance badly. But intentionally, and clearly intentionally. Like, they are meant to dance badly like people that actually dance badly do. Like, it's very good. <laughs> so, Yeah. Well, like I was saying, I'd recommend it to anybody who likes Bob's Burgers. And, you know, if you're a few seasons behind or anything like that, don't worry about it. It doesn't... There's no, like, major plot points <laughs> that are brought up in this movie. Yeah. Just as episodic as a normal episode. <laughs> you could slot this anywhere in the show. Um, I give it a 9 out of 10. Or not enough more. He's only in one scene. <laughs> yep. That was the He's my favorite only... Bob's Burgers character. <laughs> yep. He lives right next door. It'd be so easy to have him in every episode. But anyway, what have you been up to? I uh, I've been moving, so my options on video games have been limited because i went a stretch without internet or where i wasn't staying at my own place with my game consoles you know readily available so i've been relying pretty heavily on the switch for the last little bit and uh i decided to dig back into a little indie gym called super mario odyssey i don't know if you've heard this before but it's a very good video game (laughs) 
No, Mario Odyssey is just, it's exceptional. It looks great. It plays great. It sounds great. Like every, everything about it is just so good. It's such a good evolution of the Mario formula. It keeps intact everything that's great about the games, but adds on such a cool new idea with the body snatching, which sounds crazy if you haven't played it, but you've played other Mario games. Like it's such a weird thing, but it works so well in the grand scheme of the game. And I think that this evolution from, you know, the very first Mario games being all linear to expanding out to these, like, zone-based things in, like, Mario 64 through Mario uh, Galaxy 2, like, this is an expansion on that idea without reinventing the wheel where, you know, you still have these fixed areas, but instead of having missions, you have a hundred stars, or moons in this case, buried across this level and you find them in all sorts of diverse ways you know some as simple as literally just you can see them and go to them and some you have to solve crazy environmental puzzles and others you have to you know do quests for certain characters it just has so much variety to it that you don't traditionally see in platformers that i i absolutely love it and i'm so excited for well really any new mario but specifically for a sequel to this game it's also the only mario game where you get to play dress up it's true. Un- until Mario Strikers comes. Yeah, that's, you know, Mar- Mario Strikers is going to be a perfect game just on that alone. <laughs> uh, no, I I just really love Odyssey. I'm not going to talk about it for too much longer because I know everyone that has a Switch has played it, basically. But just, just if you haven't, for any reason, play it. And if you haven't played it since launch, play it again. It's It's so good. But... I think that just about does it for another episode of the Totally Unbiased Media Podcast. If you'd like to get in touch with us, there are plenty of ways to do that. First, you can find us on Twitter, at TBMcast. Second, on Instagram, at Totally Biased Media. Third, twitch.tv slash Totally Biased Media. We try to stream at least every other week. And, if you have your own reviews or suggestions for the show, or suggestions for anything really... Uh, the summer's looking dry still, so if there are specific games or genres or even developers you want us to take a bigger look at, please send your suggestions. Then you can send that to totallybiasedmedia at gmail.com. Here's a fan email to show you what kinds of things we engage with. From, from Bernadette said, Hi, totallybiasedmedia at gmail.com. I was checking your website on behalf of this totallybiasedmedia at gmail.com email and see you have a good design and it looks great. They kept going, but really, I, I don't see how it could improve from there. Yeah, all positives. There's nothing we could improve about the show. They said it's a great, great website and, you know, don't check. You just got to take our words for it that it's a great website. Anyways, please send us your emails. We were we are thrilled to engage with you however we can. We've actually had some people suggest some games that we're going to be working into our calendar going forward. So I promise we do take your suggestions seriously. But for the Totally Biased Media Podcast, I'm Jordan Walkup. I'm Jason Simmons. And you just felt the bias. Thank you, everybody. Goodbye. Goodbye.